What's up, everybody? Jason with Founders BR. Super excited to share with you today's episode as we sit down with Michael Fuselet. He's an entrepreneurial and business and financial executive who's held positions as chief executive officer, CFO, and principal advisor for multiple organizations of all sizes. We talk about his entrepreneurial journey from becoming a registered nurse to certified public accountant to CEO at just the young age of 30. We talk about how passion leads you in life, how his love for music allows him to express himself creativity, to their love for linguistics as he speaks multiple languages. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, Michael exercises every day for 127 minutes. Listen to find out why. Very interesting person, amazing, full of insights. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm super confident you will as well. So without further ado, check it out. Let us know what you think. Enjoy. Michael, I, I really appreciate it. I know we've had some chance to already talk before and get to know one another. And I'll be honest, out of everybody I've, uh, I've met with, uh, I've, I've, I've literally have pages and pages <laughs> of things that I've written down, uh, getting to know you a little bit. And that's before we've even really dived into this. So I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation and learn and hear your story. So thank you again for, uh, for coming on. Well, I appreciate the invitation. I'm humbled. And, you know, like I said earlier, I've been doing this for a long time. So I'm sure I've left, <laughs> I've left a trail. I hope I've left a trail, a good trail. Have. You have a very good trail. It's it's there's a ton of there's a ton of pieces, so I don't know which direction it's going, but they're all over. <laughs> well, well that that is the story of my life, meandering, meandering. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but like I do like to think I do like to think that I've I've at least stayed between the white line and the yellow line for the most part. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of ADHD in there and there's there's a lot of uh and, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship today. I, I think that's probably a mark of, a, of, of an entrepreneur and a good leader is um, just someone who's, who's diverse and, and who doesn't really have to stick to, to any one, one set course. I think that's important. Yeah. I think that's important. So, so, yeah, I think that's the story of my career and the story of my life. There's been a lot of balances back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Well, I think I think you're exactly right. And a lot of people I speak with, I, I don't think uh, the pathway to success is ever a straight line. Um, but I think there's obviously a clear direction and, and how you meander, like you say, is, is, is a big part of that. Absolutely. It adds flavor. It adds flavor and it adds color and it keeps us, you know, keeps us keeps us interesting. That's what makes us human. Right. Well, I'd like to hear, Michael, on, you know, going back to the start. So, yeah, I'd love to hear the all the way from the beginning, starting off of where, you know, where you grew up and, and, and starting from, from, from point A. Sure. So, well, actually I'm, I'm, I'm not a Cajun boy. I think, I think folks would think I'm a Cajun boy, especially when I fall back into my, um, my Cajun drawl. I grew up in a small town uh, called Mamou, Louisiana, you know, the heart of, heart of Cajun Mardi Gras. Oh yeah, and Cajun debauchery. That's where I grew up. That my my parents were from that area, and we you know we did we didn't venture far. I guess they didn't venture far back then. You know, my brother used to say, "There's only so far you could ride a horse or ride a bike before you met up with somebody to marry." Right. So you know that's where my history starts in Mamou, Louisiana. I love the little town. Uh, it was a great place to grow up. Very protected. Very provincial. 
but it was it certainly was a good place to grow up from, you know, in my formative years, my both parents, both of my parents were educators. And I think that had that had a tremendous influence on my life. I was one of seven children. So <laughs> Cajun Catholic family, Cajun Catholic. So, um, yeah, one of seven and uh, graduated from Mamu High School. Uh, went straight straight into college. I think everyone, most everyone in in our area, being in the middle of nowhere in that little little area of Louisiana, where there's not a whole lot except crawfish ponds and rice fields, you start out at LSUE, and that's LSU um, Eunice. So that's where you, we all go. That's where you all you start. And um, Unless you're fortunate to have a really wealthy family, then you go straight to LSU or somewhere else. But uh, most of us started at LSUE, and my, you know, my first venture into academia was I started out uh, in nursing, and actually finished, and am still a registered nurse. At the same time, I've always had a, a proclivity for business; always loved business. But again. You know, growing up in Mamu, it's like, okay, well, you really at at 17 and you have this really limited scope of what the world looks like. So you sort of like, okay, well, what am I going to do with the degree in business? I particularly like marketing and advertising. But at the time, I was like, oh, I I don't know if I want to move to, you know, Manhattan and and make a go out, you know, a career out of advertising and marketing as as at least I saw it in my mind. You know, really the only thing growing up in Mamu, the only reference you have to the world is the TV. So, you know, that's sort of the, the impression I had. But I did study marketing and business and accounting. Uh, those were all my electives while I was going to school to be a nurse. When I graduated high school, everybody was everybody went to school to be a nurse or a, a pharmacist. That was the path. That was the deal. So that's where I started. After I finished at E, actually, this, I, I, you know, I'll back up a little bit. I met my wife at LSUE. That's where we okay. met. So that's a good point of the story. We met at LSUE. She's a, also a Cajun girl from the area. From LSUE, we both went, I kind of followed her. We both went to McNeese State University in Lake Charles. And again, that's sort of where everyone from the area went. You either went to UL Lafayette. USL at that time, or you went to McNeese. And my wife and I picked um, McNeese. In fact, by that time, we were married. And uh, we married early and uh, just finished college together. She went, she's a teacher, she's a retired teacher. So she studied education while I um, worked on uh, my degree in nursing. And at the same time, that's when I decided to major in in accounting. And really, so I kind of did both of them at the same time and finished up there and went to work after I finished my degree in nursing and accounting. I was a nurse for a, really a brief moment, you know, a practicing nurse in the hospital setting. I did PDICU for, I guess, maybe three or four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, immediately, so that's sort of where my, my career in leadership and, and management and business really kind of flourished. Um, I was working for a hospital and the CEO of that hospital decided to sort of take me. He knew I had I had done nursing and business at the same time. 
he said, you know, you, you really should look at, at hospital administration. That's sort of the path you, you need to look at and take. So that's sort of where it started. I was uh, maybe 20, 23, 22, 23 at the time. So I just, you know, at 23, you're like, well, okay, that sounds like a, a good idea. It looks like you do well. It looks like you kind of make good money. So I kind of took his advice and uh, he mentored me for, for a while. That was my first, I guess, management job at the ripe age of 23. I was running, I was doing marketing for a hospital initially. And then soon after that, at 25, I was an administrator. I took over um, a rehab program, physical rehab and uh, speech therapy and PT and OT and all that stuff. So I dove in early. I was 25 and, and an administrator. And I think that was my goal. My course was to, to, I really didn't see myself as a floor nurse for any length of my career. Having started in, in nursing, healthcare was, was ob- the obvious first choice. Mm-hmm. Hospital was sort of where I bounced around for, for several, several years. So at 25, I was a I was an administrator. by By the time I was 30, I was a hospital CEO. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> really didn't. By that time, I had actually uh, completed during all this time. And I think this is this is part of the ADHD and maybe the overachieverness of at least for me. And I think my career is a manifestation of just that constant urge that just that constant thirst for something else. Where's the something else? You know, by the time I was 30, I was a hospital CEO and I had finished my master's in public health and administration. Um, How I did it uh, by that time, we had my wife and I had three children. So my wife was teaching. We had three little babies, three babies. My son, we have an older son and two daughters. How, how we did it is a blur. And I think that's God's grace. You know, he's like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm just going to make this a blur for you. But yeah, so, so my, my 20s was really a, a, a time of, of pretty quick trajectory into, into the seat of a CEO. And um, I'd like to say that was the way it was planned, but it happened much quicker than I thought. It really did. And I think that's important for, for your listeners is <laughs> no matter how clear you might think your plan is, I think things happen very differently um, than, than you anticipate. Yet, nonetheless, it's important to at least know where you're going so that at least you know when you got there, you know, when you got there. So we're at kind of at 30. And uh, for the next several years, uh, I ran hospitals as a hospital CEO, as an administrator of some kind. And in that same period of time, I decided, again, looking for that, okay, what's next? What's the the next? So I really had a good time as as a hospital executive. Hospitals are um, behemoths. They, They are just... They're like big old ships. They they uh, 
they it, they take a lot of people, they take a lot of space, they they just take a lot of capital. They really do. They are they are really huge organizations. They're the barges in the ocean. Yes, they're like they're the barges in the ocean. So so they're they they're a great place for a, a young executive to to learn to learn big things like floating bonds and financing multi-million you know nothing is small in a hospital you know so you you talk about you talk about the business of a hospital and you're really talking about millions of dollars right off the bat just to open your mouth you're talking at least hundreds of thousands right. so so i'm grateful for my time as a hospital administrator because it really throws it really throws you into Wow, this is a lot of money that I'm responsible for. This is a lot of money. So I I quickly became um, comfortable with big old balance sheets and big old uh, income statements, and um, I think that was a blessing. That was truly a blessing. During this time, um, I think I mentioned earlier, um, I double double majored in in accounting. So there was a point in my career where, um, so, you know, you go from, you go from floor nurse to CEO within a matter of three, three to seven years. It doesn't take long. You know, I was in my early thirties and I'm like, okay, I did this. Let me, okay. Check this box. Right. What's, what's next? I'm not even 35, 36. Right. And you know, my wife and I, it's important. Here's another uh, a teaching point for, for young entrepreneurs out there. You, you really are bound by, by, by things in your career. And I think my, 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 largest, my largest constraints, my most significant constraints, and, and that's not negative mm-hmm. by no means, is um, I, had, I had a wife and three children. And we lived in, we lived in southwest Louisiana. And we decided, uh, my wife and I, that that's where we were going to raise our children. And um, that that was that was the that's what set the foundation for for what choices I had um, as a as a go getter, uh, you know, someone who who really wanted to take over the world and and make a difference and and make a lot of money. Um, so I did a whole lot of commuting, and I did a whole lot of. Um, overnight stays, you know, outside of the little town we stayed in. But that was a choice we made um, just to be able to um, keep our kids in the small town where we lived and where my wife was a teacher. Um, but but there comes a point where, as I mentioned, you, you, you're you like, OK, this this is fun. This is great. Um, did it. I, I you know, I did it. So what's next? So. Uh, I decided to, uh, I said, okay, again, planning, important planning. I sat down and I remember literally sitting down and writing the plan for my next five years. And I said, uh, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to open my own, my own CPA practice. I'm going to be, I hated, let me say this. I didn't really like accounting, but I loved the 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 I loved the um, 
the knowledge and the, and the ability it, gave, it gives people. And I'll say this to all everybody out there. I mean, your CPA is really, um, should your CPA know this or not, I think is irrelevant. But uh, your CPA is truly the business expert on the block that, you know, the formation that we have to go through in terms of learning business and find the language of business and finance and the infrastructure of business in general. I loved it. I still love it. Just love it. Just a passion for it. Uh, just absolutely eat it all up. So I decided I was going to um, become a, I was going to sit for the CPA exam get my license, hang a shingle, be a consultant, be a, you know, be a big old consultant and um, work between Lake Charles and New Orleans, Louisiana, and just do my thing. So I, I did, I did that. I, um, I um, sat for the CPA exam, um, passed it and immediately got my firm license, um, opened, uh, opened my own solo practice and said, okay, I'm here. Where, where are my clients? What am I going to, okay, let's, let's start. Um, again, things really never work out. I had a home office. I remember I built a home office. I did the whole, I said, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, at the time, um, it wasn't Ernst and Young, but I, I'm going to be, you know, a major, major consultant and advisor on the block. Right. Um, gravity has a way of, of kind of, you know, keeping you on a trajectory that you really never planned for. Um, you know, over the course of my career, I really had created a, a personal brand back then we weren't, you really, you didn't talk about personal brand, not like we do today, but back then I had, I really had this, this personal brand in the, in the healthcare industry that just keep kept pulling me back in pulling me back in um when i became a cpa now it's like oh wait you're a nurse and a cpa wow okay we have something for you so um i i really never could leave the executive seat because 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 of that brand that I had created. It was like, it just always kept pulling me in. That's a great thing. It was a wonderful yeah. thing. Um, and, and that's sort of where I have, I have been for the past several years. Now I do still have a practice and I do still keep, you know, a, 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 a small population of who, what I would call private clients and, and clientele. Um, but really, wow, I tell you, the gravity of the, the healthcare, the biopharmaceutical um, industry is is really because it's so specialized. It really is so specialized. So you're a player in that game. Um, you you're always pulled back in it because there's the field, the field of competition for for positions is, is really relatively small, you know, so. So that kind of brings you, you know, brings us to to where we are today. You know, um, currently, you know, most recently, I've I've held positions as a chief financial officer, financial officer, as opposed to a chief executive officer. And I got to tell you, um, chief financial officer, hands down, beats chief executive officer any day. 
um, because <clears throat> because it allows me to really be an advisor to, to the board um, in terms of in terms of business and and strategy and and where we're going. Um, so 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 that's sort of my history. I know I've been kind of rambling for a long time, but that's so that that's sort of been my trajectory and and where I've landed. Um, you mentioned, you know, the the, the meandering piece of that. Um, yes, in, in the course of that, I'm a musician. I play the piano. I love piano, and I know one of your questions on your sheets is, if you could do something better, what would it be? Oh man, I wish I would. I really wish. Uh, I don't have any regrets. I really don't. However, um, if I could have been Elton John. I would have just eaten that up. Um, I love the piano. I really do. Uh, you know, I tell my, you know, I think the piano is just, it's beautiful. Just the piano itself. I could Absolutely. stare, I could stare at a black grand piano for hours and just sit there, not, not touch it, just stare at it. Right. Um, but then to play it, you know, to put, to put my fingers on those black and white keys, um, it just, it's wonderful. So I did study music and music business. Um, more re I, I would have loved to have been able to go to get more involved in the music and entertainment industry. Um, but again, you know, you have those, you have those choices you make and those constraints. Um, but I did, did have a chance to, and I still am involved with, um, um, uh, be jazz, which is a, a jazz company. It's a, jazz company it's a festival jazz festival company up in brampton brampton canada i think it's in toronto mm -hmm. in fact my piano teacher i'm gonna give him a plug maybe he'll hear this carmen spada you know car the infamous carmen spada um just a phenomenal uh jazz pianist uh he actually i think did some training down in new orleans he studied at Berkeley, which is where um, I did my music business and, and music study. And um, we met and he's he's sort of off and on been my piano coach for the past several years. Anywho. So he allows me to kind of play in that ballpark as as a as a member of the um, the B jazz group. In fact, there's there's some stuff going on tonight for Christmas. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So if there's anything I could really have done better, it would have been. Oh, I would have loved to have been a musician and, and just this big name, um, maybe not a musician because I'm not a big stage person uh -huh. uh, or a, a performer. I'm not a big performer, but I would have, I, I could see myself being someone like Quincy Jones or someone like that, where, where I just have all these people under, underneath, you know, just all these creations and a lot of a lot of money in the process right so you're, you're, you're there with all the moving parts around you exactly that's what he that's what i love you know i'm i'm more of a conductor and an and an uh a conductor than i am a performer so right but i do love music i do love the music industry um yeah. i read billboard magazine like the bible um i follow it i follow all these new Little, uh, let me not say little because I don't know who's going to listen to this, but there are some great t artists out there, great talent out there. Um, yeah. I follow them. 
I've, sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? You're, <laughs> you're almost 50 and you're still following um, Ariana Grande. And it's like, why? But, but you know, I think it's, it's got more. It, yeah, she does. And she's, she's talented. I see, I see all of these musicians as <clears throat> a product. And some yeah. of them do a phenomenal job of yeah. creating and maintaining their brand and their product. Yeah. And um, so, so th- there's, there's a little piece of me. There's a little piece of me that. I get that. Well, you know, it's funny hearing, hearing the story, I, the few things that come to mind, even with just with that recent example, I think of when you say Quincy Jones and being there, I, I totally see you as there's, <clears throat> there's the movie with Steve Jobs where and I forget the scene. You may, you may already know what I'm alluding to. Yeah. <laughs> but he's standing there, they're on stage and he's speaking with the engineer and they go, what's the difference between you and me? And he says, well, look, you're a great, you're a great violinist. You're the best violinist. You sit right there as first chair and you are fantastic. He's like, I am the conductor. (laughs) I'm I'm up top and I can see the whole thing. And I I see everything. (laughs) I see everything. And I do. I love that view. And I, I yeah, when you say that, I, I, I immediately go from the creator in you and, and how I hear things, I'm like, that's exactly where I would see you positioned is that conductor who sees all of it and sees how yep. it comes together and and then creates the the overall sound, which is like, and then another thing that you mentioned, and, and then I'm because I have a question here that's going to come. Yes, I'm going to let you ask a question. I've been rambling. You know, I was, I was even thinking in my head, I was like, you're actually hitting every question I had. I was like, I don't know if I need to be here. <laughs> I was like, this is too perfect. <laughs> well, I'm sure your listeners want to hear your voice too. Yeah, no, they don't. That's why I'm, I'm already, I've already gone way too far. But the other thing that you mentioned, which is really interesting, this was just a conversation I had recently, is um, there's a famous book in, in, that's often referenced in business, which is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, usually when you say that, most people either read it or read versions of it or heard it. Oh, books. I read it. I read it, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, and I read it as well, and it's very, it's very interesting. But I had somebody, when I asked for book recommendations, they said War of Art. And I said, you, do you mean Art of War? And they said, no, War of Art. And, uh, and it's about the internal creator in all of us that wants to yes. come out. And when I hear all this, the creator in you, what's next, um, is, is, resonates very much with me because I feel that's the same. Kind of what else can we create? What are we doing? I did a personality assessment, like assessment, and one of ones is pioneer. I have to like where's where are the mm-hmm. new lanes and where have where are the paths that we have not crossed yet that we can go discover. So yes. um, I, I I I resonate with a lot of you're saying. So, but my question then is, you know, you've gone through this journey, and I hear you know you you become a, a CEO at the age of thirty, which is incredible in itself. Most people may work a lifetime to achieve that level of pinnacle, at least within a business career of how we define it. You achieve that at 30 and then you, you go through and you're working with you know, these large organizations that are dealing with, with huge amounts of capital and, and um, changes. And, and then all of a sudden you, you have this, this music. And I, and I looked at, you know, you, the world of jazz in Canada and then, and, then mm-hmm. that, and that also leading into, I know there's a lot of involvement with linguistics and international and, and, you know, I'm curious about, tell me a little bit about that evolution and how that came into your life and why was that important? I think, um, I, you know, when you use the word evolution, it's important. And I can say this at, at the stage of my career and at my age, which is just, which just slaps me in the face that I'm here. I'm this, I'm, I'm almost 50 because I remember, I, I'm, I'm going to sound like grandpa. I remember just so clearly my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. 
And when you're in it, you're so in it. There's not this ability to retrospect and really evaluate and, and kind of give it a color and put it on a, on a tapestry and say, this was this, this was this era. So it really is, I say all that to say early careerists out there, early entrepreneurs out there, um, your life is, is unfolding. And I truly believe that. I think, I think things sort of unfold. I think the universe sort of unfolds and it just keeps unfolding upon itself. And we're just sort of in it. We're just sort of in it. Mm -hmm. And what we experience are just manifestations of this unfolding energy and these unfolding manifestations. So at this stage, I really kind of look back and, and it's like, yeah, my, my career really is a manifestation of, of an unfolding and an evolution of me as a person, my family and those around me and the circumstances around me and my career. It's like uh, all of these little particles and bits of energy bouncing off of each other, bing, 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 bing. And then you have this infinite capacity to decide. And I think it's important that we listen to, 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 whatever we might call it, the universe, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever. I think it's important that we listen and not get so analytical in terms of, okay, well, what's in it for me? Why would I do that? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, why did you learn Italian? Why do you speak Italian? Because you'll never run into an Italian. And you know what? That's true. Um, why did I learn Italian? simple. It's, it is a beautiful, beautiful language. It is a beautiful, beautiful language. Um, and I have met more Italians at a level that if you can't speak their language, I would have never been able to have met them and learned about them and conversed with them. So I formed, I formed relationships just by, just by learning just by learning Italian. Um, and it's important for, for your listeners out there, understand that it's constant. I, you know, I do have to constantly practice. So it really is a practice. It's a practice. Um, so the music was always there. The music was always there. From the time I was just a kid, I just loved the piano. We had an old out-of-tune piano, and I used to bang on that sucker all the time. And um, I uh, never... Uh, until I got to college, I didn't study music formally. And I took some music classes in, in college. But again, you know, the pragmatic part of your life's like, okay, you got you to gotta go to work. You gotta, so I, I really just kept up the music. When I got older, and I had always said that once my youngest child finished school, I was really going to dive in and I, I was going to formally study music. I was going to learn how I was going to learn uh, modulation, and I was going to learn um, sus chords, and I was going to learn all that stuff that all these musicians, you know, at least from a theoretical standpoint, know. So I did it, and I just dove in, and you can see, you really can see the passion for business in there because I said, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the music, and I'm going to study piano techniques, but man, I really love copyrights. And I really love um, intellectual property law and the fact that musicians are paid 
by royalties and it's the number of plays they get on Spotify. And oh, I love it. I just loved it. Yeah. So so that's where that came from. I mean, the, the music was always there. It was an evolution and an unfolding that was an opportunity. Um, I was able to, you know, I could afford it. So I, I did it. And, um, uh, it, again, it's not so much about, and this is important too. And I know I keep saying that these are some really good points for, for your, for your listeners. Education is not about the degree. It's really not about starting and finishing something. Education really is about growth and how it changes you as a human being. Um, when I studied music and, and music uh, business, uh, particularly later, when you didn't have to necessarily sit in a classroom all day, every day, and you saw the same 35 people. Well, now it's really the world. I mean, the, the, the way online education works is you, you're open to the world, apps to the world. So I met so many people, so many people. So that's important to know, too, that education is if I had to you know, make a list of things, education and continuous growth would be would be one of my top three that as an entrepreneur. And if you're going to be a business leader or just a leader, period, you've got to keep growing. And education is one of the best ways to open your mind to new things, to new things. Yeah. Follow your passion. Definitely follow your passion. But, um, you know continuously educate yourself for growth. So, so that's how that came out. And, and it's, you know, the language thing is really, again, an unfolding. When I was studying music and music business, I got to know a handful of people from Brazil who were studying music and music business. Mm -hmm. And to give you a sense of really how provincial I was, really how provincial I was, I thought they spoke Spanish in Brazil. And I was quickly corrected um, that, no, we, we speak Portuguese. Right. I said, oh, right. Portuguese. So they started, you know, they would, they started speaking Portuguese. And I said, you know what? I'm going to learn this stuff. So that's where, that's where the Portuguese came from. So I, sto I started studying Portuguese. In fact, I'm currently in, in a, uh, at Brigham Young University. They have an excellent international business program. Um, at Brigham Young University, I'm enrolled in a, in again, here it is, um, a, a, an international business program. And there's, uh, I'm taking business Portuguese, which is really kicking my butt. But, <laughs> um, but it's fun. It's just absolutely fun. So I think the linguistics, uh, is sort of a product of just my continuous growth as a professional and as a person. The world's a big place. The world really is a big place. And, um, you know, the more you're able to touch it and, and experience it, um, the better off you are. I'm not a, I'm not a great traveler. I, there, there's absolutely. So when I learned it takes about 16 hours to get to Brazil, I, I said, well, I might visit Brazil once in my lifetime. I'm not really big on staying in planes for 8 to 12 to 16 hours. But um, it's important for everybody to know you don't have you don't I don't feel like I have to go to Brazil to learn the language, particularly today, um, mm -hmm. you know, with with Internet, Skype and all that. You, it's just Most boundless, boundless. So so the language piece is is really just an unfolding. Um, French was my heritage language. 
heard it since I, I'm thinking I probably heard it when I was born. And growing up, I heard it. Um, so French, I, I, I knew French, love French. And uh, Spanish, Spanish, you want to talk business and you want to talk opening opportunities and you want to talk a changing economy and a changing world. Folks, if you don't speak Spanish, young entrepreneurs, um, you, you better at least learn you better at least learn the polite phrases and, and those types of things, because I really do believe, regardless of what your political leanings might be and how you feel, how you feel is not important. The reality is, um, Norte Americanos, originally, um, we're not the original ones. You know, English, we brought English here and the Spanish brought Spanish here. And that we are quickly becoming um, a very mixed society, particularly in the southern states. And good, bad, or indifferent, I think it's just a reality. And um, I talk Spanish on a daily basis with folks I run into at work who, who, uh, who some sell insurance. Some, uh, some are building a, a new suite here in our office. And um, again, the connection you make, the personal connection you make, and you can see it in their eyes when you, when you, when you start, hola, como estas, as opposed to, hey, how are you, in gringo, yeah. um, yeah, they, they just too. immediately open up, and um, you just get to know people on a very different level. So, so language is critical to you. Language is important, I think. I agree. Amazing. I, um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we, I know we were talking about this prior, but you know, the, the, the globalization and, and 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 the interconnectivity that we're at now is 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 at its highest, and it's it's never been. And you know, I, even my 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 own daughter, we we, we put her in um, the international school, and and we try to the best mm-hmm. we can to. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, and and it's been it's truly fantastic, and and I think it's um, you know, I, we we talked we've talked previously about travel as well, but like once you. You know, I had an opportunity. My family on um, my mother's side is from El Salvador, and and um, and I had the opportunity to go live abroad in, in Spain for a period in college, and and I think that was the first time. Even though I grew up with uh, a very diverse family and, and different cultures, and and it certainly molded who I am as a person. Um, you know, when you immerse yourself in, into a different culture, you really do. I, I remember the feeling when you say you recognize how big the world is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, I, even though I had that, those, that diverse experience, I you know, grew up in New Orleans. I went to LSU in Baton Rouge. And, and then all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm living in Granada, Spain, España. And, and all, and, and then out you go, wow, this is, this is, there's, there's much more than an LSU football and, and a crawfish. And oh, there is, there is so much more. And it's, it's just, I think from, from, from a personal standpoint and a business standpoint, I think it's beautiful. I really do. I think it is. It is a beautiful thing, um, particularly when you see, at least for me personally, as great as I might think I am or was. And really, there was a point where I thought I was awesome. I th- I think I was always really very um, conceited, and from again from high school, I was. I graduated you know, second in my high school class, which mm-hmm. you know, in, in Mama, Louisiana, that's not a major thing, but always a major, uh, an overachiever kind of fella. Sure. And my wife would probably agree. I was probably an ass for a, a good part of 
my my life. Um, but I think that's part of what fuels someone to be to to be quote successful, however you define success at that point in your life. Um, anyway, as I as I grew as I grow and as I grew and and began to interact with people. Um, as I, as I'm learning Spanish and I'm learning and still to this day, learning French, my, my French teachers from, um, from Fran- directly from France and we correspond weekly. Um, you learn really how small you are and just how much you don't know, because, you know, in, in your world and in, in the way you might think things should happen. Not everybody does it that way. Not everybody thinks that way. I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing because it kind of opens you up to new perspectives and, and new ways of thinking. You don't necessarily have to agree with, with that or with the way they do it. it, but it certainly provides you with a new perspective and a new flavor. Um, and I think that's a power of, of linguistics too, is just the way folks speak kind of gives you an idea of what their worldview is, kind of how they see things. And you really learn that, for example, you know, in, in, the, in, in European cultures and South American cultures, you know, time our concept of time as business people in, in the United States is very different than the concept of time in, in European and South American and, and Latin American cultures. Absolutely. I have, I have been able to take that and, and sort of integrate that into my understanding of time. And that has really released my, some of my stress level. It's like, you know, who says? Well, who says? Well, your parents said and your teachers said, well, they were real provincial, too. Um, but when you get a sense of how other people might go about their daily lives and their worldviews, it's it's important that you or at least for me, that I can take some of those jewels of wisdom and sort of integrate them into how I see my day to day work and my worldview about things. It, it really has has shaped at least the 40 something year old in me that that was not available to me when in my thirties, definitely not in my twenties. Yeah, right. Absolutely not. Yeah. I agree with you on the time. I I remember, you know, you you hear that you, we all use the term take a siesta and uh, I thought it was more of a, like a concept than it was an actual thing. It's a a practice. It's a practice. And I remember, you know, it's in, in, when we were in Spain, it was like, all right, time for siesta. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go walk outside and take a walk and come back. And no, no, you, people go home and sometimes put pajamas on, go to sleep. You shut down. You, <laughs> you shut, shut down. down. And culturally it's, I mean, it's wide across. You can't go to a store. It's siesta time. And, um, and, and when you start to see different practices and culturally, and, and, um, it's, it's, it's pretty an eye opening uh, moment. I do have, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, so we're talking about, you know, your, your, your evolution, you know, I say, you keep using the word evolution or over the journey or wherever you want to term it. Um, you, you go through and you have this your music linguistics and, and just reading some of your background, I know that training and, and physical activity seems to be a big part of yeah, it's, your, it's important. routine and your daily. I'm curious of, of why you find that's important and, and how that's intertwined into your daily activities. 
Well, um, so in my top three, in my list of top three things for the entrepreneur or the, the budding early careerist executive, um, education was in there, passions in there, uh, physical health is most definitely in there. Mm -hmm. And I have always had, I have always been, I've always had this, this belief that, that my father died at a very young age and, and we were, uh, I mentioned the seven children. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember in my formative years saying, that's not going to happen. That that's not going to happen to me. Uh, Mm I can't let that happen to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was sort of the seed. Now, my my background in nursing a, as a clinician certainly helped me get gain a a deeper understanding of the benefits of of physical activity and health and um being in being in healthcare particularly in the acute hospital care side you're you're constantly bombarded with illness and and chronic conditions and and this is this is this is my opinion and my opinion only. Um, I think we 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 make that choice, you know, it, cardiovascular disease, pulmonary disease, um, even I believe some some uh, behavioral and mental mental health conditions are the result of our conscious maybe sometimes subconscious decisions that we make on a day to day to day basis. Um, so I, I just knew and grew. I've been a runner since, you know, in high school, I certainly paid, played tennis. I cycled a lot. I was pretty active. Um, in my twenties, I remember making the decision, you know, when you have three young children, it really makes you pause and think, wow, okay, I got to make sure that I'm here. Um, So uh, I really started my my training routine and I still call it to this day. It's a training routine. Um, I still train every day, 365 with pneumonia. My wife can attest to that. My doctor can attest to that with bronchitis, with um, severe with AFib, with vertigo. Um, I still train two and a half hours a day. Wow. And I think it's just that important. Um, that, so my regime is I run, I cycle, um, I do, you know, some calisthenics kind of thing. So I think it's, it's important, at least for me as an executive and as, as a business leader and as a, quasi entrepreneur creative business person you know your 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 body your physical body it's like your car right. you know if exactly. if your car is broken how how angry do we get oh i, I can't go anywhere it's such an inconvenience mm. um imagine you know if we all had the same just the same perspective that that's your body, folks. You know, that's what carries you to and fro. And that's what what sits you at these meetings. And that's what carries you to the bank. And that's what helps you write checks. And that's what helps you, you know, that that's what that's your that's your machinery. So at least me personally, why would I not invest 
two and a half hours a day on taking care of it and making sure that it's it's functioning at its most optimal. And and I'll be the first to say, I don't I don't take any medication. I don't plan on taking any medication. Uh, my blood pressure is great. My my resting heart rate is great. My BMI is awesome. That's the entrepreneur business person in me talking. Um, those are my measures. That's kind of how I measure if mm-hmm. if training is important. And it is because all of the indicators that I know as a clinician that are important for, for not only good health, but exceptional health, um, I hit all of them. Boom, 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 boom. And that's intentional. That's intentional. But I also understand that it takes getting up at 4.15 every morning and running until my the back of my legs burn. Right. And, and then getting on the bike for another however, you know, half hour or so. That's what it takes. You know, life's not easy, folks. Life is nobody said life is easy. And I'll be the first one to tell you that life is hard. Um, life is is at sometimes it sucks, um, but it is what it is. You, you know, you can either you can either curl in, up in a corner and be what Napoleon Hill in one of my favorite books, uh, Think and Grow Rich, calls a, a drifter. You just kind of bounce with the wind and you end up where you end up at the end of your life. You're like, okay, well, I was at the mercy of everybody else except me. Um, or you wake up every day and you say, you know what? Today is my day. Today, God, God gave me this day or, or, you know, fill in the deity of your choice. Um, gave me this day. It's mine. It's mine to do with it as I please. And, and I'm responsible to do the most I can with it. Uh, because otherwise, we would never think of wasting. Well, some of us might, but we, we make these big deals about wasting food and wasting water and wasting money. We, 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 we rarely give a second thought to wasting time, wasting time. I mean, just don't waste time, period. So anywho, so I I think two and a half hours is a great investment to make sure that, that when I'm sitting in a boardroom with, with 12 of my peers, just to know, you know what? My protein level is better than anybody else's in here. My blood pressure is probably better than anybody else's in here. And that really gives you a competitive advantage. When everyone else is begins to show signs of that sim, 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 sympathetic nervous system kicking in, you know, you start talking about bad numbers and bad deals and and really and things that, that really get your sympathetic nervous system going and your heart rate starts pacing and you see folks start start sweating and, and loosening their collars. I can I can honestly sit there saying it doesn't phase me at all. And and if all 11 of these guys drop dead, I'll be the I'll I'll be one of a few still standing because I spent two and a half hours this morning running and cycling and doing my thing. Oh, my God. So that's a driver. That's a driver. It gives you a competitive advantage. So write that one down. It's, It's already noted. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> sympathetic nervous system, and I'm, I want, I've never heard this term, but I'm kind of curious. When you talk about especially in a room and you have yeah. energy, elaborate on that a little bit. 
So, so we know that uh, you know science and healthcare science tells us that we we are a product of 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 our circumstances and the things that we perceive. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you've often heard, um, "How do you deal with stress?" That's that's one of that's what what that's a standard interview question. How do you how do you deal with stress? How do you yeah. deal with stress? Um, <clears throat> stress is the sympathetic nervous system in play. Um, we, we, you know, at, at the risk of getting really uh, pathophysiological on you, you know, we have we have two 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 nervous systems. You get the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. It's the sympathetic nervous system that we think of when we talk about adrenaline and epinephrine, and your heart rate goes up, and your your brain your brain becomes more sensitive to external stimuli. Um, you start breathing faster, your lungs open up. It's sort of that fight or flight reaction that we talk about. Um, and in business, you're you're constantly bombarded by that because how many times can, I mean, at work, and not just at business, just at work in general, when 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 things sort of start to get out of kilter with the way they should go, our our nervous system, our parasympathetic nervous system, immediately kicks in it, it immediately kicks in because that's our that's our body's reaction to your brain is telling you okay something's not right um and our evolutionary self is saying there's a threat here perceived or real there's a threat here and uh so your body's kind of getting ready getting ready either you're going to fight or you're going to run away Either way, you gotta have you gotta have the energy to be able to run away or fight. Um, and, and I think of that often. That many times during the day, your fight or flight or your sympathetic nervous system is is triggered. Um, when you have when you have illnesses like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, heart disease, uh, you that that reaction could literally could literally kill you because you don't have you don't have the physical reserve to be able to to adapt to it in time so you know you hear about folks who have heart attacks all the time you hear about folks who have heart attacks because their stress level was high at work something was going on that's that's what happens our strokes same thing with with strokes um, it's amazing the external in how the external environment and and how we perceive and respond to that, either consciously or subconsciously. So it's important to know that this is a subconscious reaction. It's not something you can control. Your body just automatically clicks, you know, kicks in. Um, but if you if you have the physical stamina to be able to deal with it, you'll be you'll be one of the few left standing when it really gets hot and heavy. Right. I love that. Um, I've never heard that, and there's a couple of things that I take away from that. And I've never heard that in that in that sense, the sympathetic nervous system. And I'd like I'm going to absolutely use that. But yeah, I've never been able to break it down. I, so I, I personally, I love I love being active. I, I, I like competing in triathlons. I, I actually give my money to somebody else so I can go swim in a lake. Absolutely. <laughs> and then yeah. bike, you know, bike 30 miles and run six miles. And I'll pay somebody for the access to do that. And people kind of look at me like I'm a little bit psychotic. But I, I love that. I love the way that you tie that. And I think, you know, there's. I saw a great quote and it said, there's, you need three things in life for balance. You need three hobbies in life for balance. One to make you money, one to make you creative 
and um and then one to um oh goodness one to one to create you um make you money one to make you creative and one to keep you healthy and yep. so um i personally have always loved it and you know for me the the training becomes not only an, an ability for me to uh, i think create levels of resiliency like you're saying and, Absolutely. I, and I, I think resiliency that's, is a great word that's the that's the great word resiliency resiliency and i think yeah. that you know when i ask when i, I i'm going to intertwine that cuz i always you always struggle sometimes for certain answers on things and you know i always say hey well it makes me ha-, you know it brings me happiness it's a, it allows me to feel healthy and and um it's for me it's a form of meditation as well i i, I have my best thoughts i have I have a lot of energy that flows through me and then I can, I, I'm able to meditate in a sense, especially when you get that, what's, you know, that runner's high. And, um, but I love that, the, you know, intertwined, it's really resiliency too. And the, and the ability to, we, we, in any, in really in any industry, in any field, you're going to have that, that trigger you talk about. And this is creating that resiliency to that, you know, the sympathetic nervous system. When you have that fight or flight come in, most people will may lean towards the flight because it's the easiest when really it, it's a time for fight and to, and to engage with whatever the challenge is. And instead, because of its difficulty forces, maybe more of a flight response when it requires a fight. And so I love that analogy of, of the resilient. It also it's building mm-hmm. that resiliency and taking an active role. And, and other two other shares that really even comes to mind too is two, two books of mine. They're like one of my favorite books, The Power of Habit and yeah uh, yeah yeah read it read it good book good book i love that book and it's about the the mental so you know for i think when it first comes to exercise initially it's it's it takes mental capacity you forget that it, it's it's not only the physical pack capacity but it's the mental capacity that i've got to use energy my to put my force myself to go do it whatever it may be until what like the power of habit talks about to where it becomes routine like, so like what you're talking about it doesn't matter what it is 365 days you're going but it's not requiring any more mental. It's not requiring any mental habit now because your body is is it's in a routine. Yeah. And it talks about the levels of success if you want to achieve something, create a lot of really good habits. And um and the other thing is the practicing mind, which is another one of my favorite books. And you mentioned earlier, but you mentioned again brings it up. Um, it's a book actually written about how to if you want to learn a new discipline, you want to do something. It's really more of a psychology book, but it's written by a master piano. Um, I don't know what you call it, grand piano technician he was he would be yeah. the one who tunes it and he really got into it because the amount of hours to per, to, to per, the and i mean we're talking about days hours to prepare a grand piano for a major concerto and mm-hmm. a grand you know and it is is and the detail of tuning that piano and being able to be mentally to all day long to tune one key he said that he learned so much in the ability to learn things um, that he wanted to share that and just about learning any exercise. And he says the gap between people like who want to accomplish something and they hear a great piece of music and they go, Oh my gosh, I want to learn the piano. And so they go play the piano and they're comparing themselves against the, you know, a grand yeah. master and instantly yeah. leave. <laughs> and you go, you have to get into the practicing mind of like, you do. It's, it's an, it's an evolution. It, it yeah. is a growth. It's a process. And and it's great that you it's good that you bring that up because it's important for your listeners to know, particularly those who are, like you say, they're they're they they see this standard of excellence, and you say um, that's that's what I want to be. Well, you have to be re- real with yourself and understand that it is it's a growth prospect, and growth is practicing, and practicing is every day. Every day, 
you can't do something every three months or every six months and say, I'm practicing at it because you're really not. It's a daily habit of, I think I mentioned every, every day I still practice languages and because I have to, because I'm not necessarily immersed in it. Um, so if I don't, then I lose it. And uh, so that's a habit of mine. Um, but it is, it's, it's a growth journey. It's a constant growth journey. And you can decide when you wake up in the morning. I read something somewhere. I think it was some post on Instagram or something. I don't want to be the same person in 365 days that I am today. That's a mantra of my life. I don't want to be the same person I am today. I want to be better in 365 days. But if I do the same thing over and over and the same thing over and over again, how can you say I will be different? You will be 365 days older. Right. You won't be necessarily different. You won't be different. The definition of insanity. Doing, doing Absolutely. Insanity, expecting do the same thing and expect to be different. Expect to be different. I love it. So much good stuff here shared. I, as I anticipated, I'm, I'm going to wrap up with a few questions. First one that I really yeah, want to I want to ask is for somebody who wants you want to impart some knowledge on what's what's three books you might recommend? The three books I would recommend. The first book, and this is going to this would be funny, but I really do. I think it's great. Great Mm -hmm. Expectations. Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Everybody should read that book. Everybody should be able to relate to Pip Mm -hmm. Um, because at some level, everybody is Pip. You, you start, <laughs> you, we all kind of start from nothing and, and we get this, there's a benefactor out there. Um, the benefactor may be, uh, you know, maybe God, it may be your uncle, but, but so great expectations is one. Um, I'm a fan of, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is, uh, who is a, a Zen Buddhist teacher. Um, he has a book called the, I think it's called The Art of Power. Mm. And that that is a book that I use to balance my ego of wanting to constantly succeed and what's the next thing mm. and be in control, which is all in that book an illusion you kind of learn. All of these things that were taught in business school and in the business arena, good, bad, or indifference, uh, or indifferent, it really is an illusion when you get, when you borrow it all the way down to its truest essence. So The Art of Power by Thich Nhat Hanh's another, another great one. Um, gosh, there are so many, there are so many great books. I do like The Power of Habit. I did read The Power of Habit. I think that's a great book for folks who are looking to make some change. And how, how do you do that? I would recommend reading The Power of Habit with, um, there's a good book called Learning How to Learn. And that's a good book because if you are in that part or point of your life where you're, where you're seeking to, for personal growth or new skills, learning how to learn com- combined with The Power of Habit would, would be an excellent choice of mine. There are some other great books that I could share with you, but I think those three I do like, although I don't, I think it's kind of far-fetched in a lot of its points. There's a book called, I think it's called Think, Think Like a Millionaire. 
And and the takeaway point from that book, I know you asked for three, but there are so many great books. Um, is, <laughs> so so think thinking like an, a millionaire, think like a millionaire. I, I don't write, I don't remember the the title. The takeaway from that book is is think. If you think like an employee, you will always act like an employee. And he talks about in a part of his book where if you if you want to be a millionaire, you got to start thinking like a millionaire. And no one who makes twenty five dollars an hour working nine to five will ever become a millionaire unless you're you're wealthy. So you really do have to change the way you think. And then there's another great book. Uh, lastly, uh, it, this was the one I was alluding to. I think everybody should at least read with with a grain of salt. Hmm. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Sure. You know, there's some great gems in there. There's really some chapters in there that <laughs> you're kind of like, what? What? Are you, what? But um, transmutation and oh yeah, yeah. there's. I mean, and, and I'm sure there are some people in there who really they like grab onto that and it like becomes wow. Ah, that's that's yeah. that's it. That's yeah. that's that's the secret I've been looking for. Yeah. Um, but it does have a lot of little gems and a lot of little jewels in there that. I think you can sit back and say, well, that, that does make sense. So that's a like a, that's some rhymes of Dale Carnegie's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence Others, too. Yeah. Right? At the yeah. same time, but lots of like little nuggets in there are good. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the last thing I would recommend if to, to all of your readers is, is, and I'm not saying you have to be super religious or super spiritual or anything like that, but I, I think it is worthy to, to we all need a, a compass. We all need some kind of um, compass that that is bigger than ourselves um um so whatever that might be for you whether it be the buddhisva the 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 buddhist text the quran the i i recommend everybody at least have something that Mm. that spiritually gives them some guidance and some direction and some sense of purpose so that's just my opinion though I love it. All right. But these are the last. We're going to do some, we'll do some rapid fire. These are a little bit some uh, rapid, fire. rapid fire. And then we'll, uh, we'll close here. So, all right. It's holiday. It's holiday season for those who are, you know, in the countdown, need a good gift. What's a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has most positively impacted your life in the last six months. So this is for those on a budget and need to make a quick purchase. Best gift under hundred dollars, most positively impacted your life. Um, I'm not going to say what it is, but I will say who it's for. I think the, the yeah. best gift is any gift for the person who means the most to you. For me, it's my wife. Um, so, um, you know, every year I do buy, I, I do go big, but uh, usually the gift that makes the most to, that means the most to her is, is, a, is a small gift. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll say anything that you could buy that is truly sincere doesn't cost a whole lot of money, but is for the person who means the most to you is the, is the best gift that, that you can buy because you're, you're sort of it's like an insurance policy. You're you're making sure that you have a great, great piece of energy in your life. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. I, I got hot chocolate bombs yesterday. And since we couldn't do Polar Express this year in New Orleans, we did it at home. And uh, it didn't cost me anything but five dollars and 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 a movie. And uh, you would have thought I was a superhero, which is all I'm looking for. That, that's all you need. That's all you need. I, I agree with you 100. All you need. Great, great answer. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? <laughs> an interesting uh, I question. Think, 
I, I think I think we've sort of hit on those. I think right. um, you know the fact that I get up every morning at four fifteen and and train for two and a half hours. I think people would say you're nuts, you're crazy. But if you add on top of that, that the whole time I'm doing that, I am conjugating verbs in Italian or Portuguese or Spanish or French or, um, you know, learning some grammatical points. I think people would say, (laughs) you're nuts. But that is my morning routine. That's my morning habit. Um, In there, you know, one of my goals is to be able to, I'm Catholic by, by traditional upbringing. One of my personal goals is to be able to recite the Nicene Creed in Italian from wow. from start to finish. And if if you're not Catholic, that's a long prayer, oh, yeah. um, an Episcopal. If you're not Catholic or Episcopalian, that is a long prayer. So my goal is to be so I do practice that too occasionally wow. when I'm running. I'm not. I'm by far not close, but. But Maybe that's, that's my that's, challenge to, to leveling up in my in my competition is I'm not doing enough conjugations of verbs in multiple <laughs> languages. That's what's going to take me to the next tier. <laughs> that I'm might like, might very it. well. Right. It might very well do right. that for you. I love it. I'll now, let you know how it goes. I will go back and, and tell people it stinks. It's not fun. It's not necessarily fun. But the best things are not necessarily fun. I agree. I agree. I love it. All right, what's your uh, walking to the plate song? It's time to get ready to, to, to hit that home run. What's the walking to the plate song? What's my walking to the plate song? You know what? It's funny you say that because I have this vision um, of, of a walking to the plate song. Uh, you know, I'm as a musician as and someone who loves music, oh, that's that question came out of nowhere. And, and I could have told there are so many songs that I picture myself walking to the plate with. Wow, I may have to get back to you because I'm running through my playlist in I love you, Italian. You I love, billboard charts. You've got a lot of billboard charts. That I you do, I do. And I have a lot of what, you know, as I'm running and listening to my playlist, I'm like, that would be a fantastic walking to the plate song. Yeah. Um, it would it would be an Italian. I'm, a, I'm an Italian pop music fan. Gosh, I love it. I think it would probably be by either by Emma Maroney because she's on my playlist or Annalisa, she's, she's probably in, you know, top in my playlist. But to say that I can say what that, that song is, I'll have to get back to you on that. I'll have to get back to you on that. We'll add it in the show. We'll add it in the show notes. Yes. I will. I will send you the the Vimeo uh, of one of those. Cause there's really a lot of, I really have a lot of walking to the home plate. Send me a couple. We'll put it in the show notes for those looking to uh, to check it out. Awesome. So last, last question. Uh, this is for Baton Rouge. Let, let, best place to get a cup of joe, best business lunch, and uh, your favorite dinner spot. Oh, best place to get a cup of joe. Well, um, I like, I, I'll say, I, there's to me, personally, there's no such bad, there's no such thing as, as, as a bad cup of coffee. But where's the best cup of coffee I've ever had? I can't say. Best place to get, uh, you know, I'll give a, I'll give a, a, a plug to, I do like PJ's coffee. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that's kind of what pops into my mind. It's a robust kind of flavor. I won't say Starbucks because I think everybody might go to Starbucks, but PJ's. I like, is I like, I like me some PJ's. Now, it, it, you know, I would, I will say my wife and I recently moved to Baton Rouge from Shreveport. 
There's mm-hmm. there's a restaurant in Shreveport called I think it's called Shones Shones okay. Restaurant. They That's have nice. they have awesome coffee there. I love it. Shout a out little, to Shones. The little hole in the wall kind of kind of place uh, restaurant you. kind of thing where the gems but, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so, it. So that's where that's where you know I would say I, I remember a cup of coffee there. So we'll go with PJs here, but if you got some time to make a drive to, to Shreveport, Shreveport <laughs> which everybody just dies to make right. that five-hour trip, a, that's a fantastic drive of that's straight nothing. Just for a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. um, now your other your other places were what, lunch and dinner. Lunch and dinner. So dinner, um, I would say. Dinner at any Italian restaurant for me. I am a fan of Italian restaurant. And there's a there's a restaurant down Jefferson where I work and live. There are actually two. Um, I can't think of their names. Um, one's on the right. One's on the left. One's on the left. If you if you drive Just down, look forward, you'll see it. <laughs> so one one is a little one is close to La Madeline, La Madeline's as yeah. you're coming this way, and it's on the right. I think it's a little a little higher price, a little higher price. But the other is uh, on the left, and the reason I like that restaurant, I'll give them a plug. I think it's La, Can- La Cantea, is because they have a piano right when you walk in. They have this beautiful grand piano, and you oh, get someone playing, and it has the best air to it when you're when you're eating your um, whatever your pasta meal. Your I'll oh say. my gosh. It's, it's, I don't think I've heard of that one. That's the one on the right or the left? That's the one on the left. That's the one on the left. The one on the right is at some corner. It's just before the Bocage Market. Is it, all um, Bocage. Beausoleil? No, I don't think it's no. Beausoleil. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So, like so, on but the any, side. so when you see like Cantilla, look at the other side. Look, there's another one. There's another one. Um, so, but any Italian restaurant, for me, for me, my wife would say absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and then for dinner... So that's a good place for for lunch or dinner. Yeah. Dinner, um, you know, I'm I'm I love Mexican food. I really do. So as much as I love Italian food, I do like Mexican food. And I will tell you, um, I gotta say, Paran's is a great place to eat. I'm not a big fan of seafood, so that's my wife would say Paran's is great. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of seafood, but but it is a great place to eat. For me, Mexicans, Mex- I don't want to disenfranchise any of the multiple Mexican cuisine restaurants right, right, right. out there. But I think probably just because I um, I always call it, oh Lord, it's not, it's not, it's not. I'm going to have to get back to you on the name. But again, it's down Jefferson. You know, my wife and I don't travel; we don't venture really far. Right, right, right. But there's a uh, what's the name of that restaurant? Um, we eat there often. It's a Mexican restaurant on the corner, kind of in the corner of Jefferson and is it is it uh, corporate? Yeah, there's right. um, there's one right there, the Velvet Cactus. That's it. One. That's it. Is that the one? And, yeah. and I think I think I like it uh, because of the decor. I like it because of the the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Like I like that restaurant. The food yeah. is good. The food is really good. But yeah. I, I do like, you know, one of the ways I, I, I gauge a res, a true, an authentic restaurant is if I walk into an Italian restaurant and they're playing Britney Spears, now, not for me, <laughs> or, if, or if they're playing anything that's not 
Italian. I'm like, mm, no, you lost me at hello. Same thing with my, my Mexican restaurants. If I walk in and there's some gringo music playing, no, not for me. But if, if I hear some Spanish lyrics in my Mexican restaurant, I know. And, and if you see the, the staff singing along, you know. Right. Truly authentic Italian, truly authentic Mexican cuisine. Oh, yeah. I love it's, it. It's that's embedded. Funny. It's embedded. So that's one yeah. funny. That's one of the ways I evaluate. Most folks look at the cleanliness of the bathroom, not me. I look at, okay, what's the ambiance? What's the, what's the music playing? And it's right. the staff singing along. I don't, I don't want just Mexican food. I want, I want the everything else, uh, all the flavors that come that's along. Right. I, want, I want to know that you are serving your mama's recipes to me. Right, 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 right. From, we, love, we, we love the uh, velvet cactus. We love Mis Padres as well. They make those, those um, the fresh tortillas. And actually, yes. one of our favorite places is right down airline, which they closed, but they reopened, which is Mr. Taco. And um, yes. I mean, authentic street tacos and exactly what you're saying. You go there and, and um, you order in Spanish is the easiest way. And it's like, it. everything is authentic and uh, it. love it. So that's fantastic. That's it. I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time. This was really fantastic. Um, I, there was so much that I took away, and I know everybody listening is going to get it. Well, this was fun. This was fun. I hope I was able to impart you know, some of my some knowledge and some, some helpful tips to your listeners, particularly you know, life. Life is tough. It's fun, but it's tough. It's a lot of work. You, have the deci- you can make the choice. You can either, you can either dive in there and be, be part of it and roll around with it and be rough and tumble or you can just kind of drift along best of luck in your decision <laughs> no doubt thank you again and uh, enjoy the rest of your day well thank you so much and thank you for having me i appreciate it hope you enjoyed the episode as much as i enjoyed making it if you can give us a like comment subscribe let us know what you think and tune in next time as we have another fantastic guest And hope you enjoy your morning, afternoon, evening, wherever I'm catching you. Thank you again.